0: let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word, that we would hear your word, and it would bear fruit in our lives all to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Please be seated wherever you are, and as you're being seated, if you would, open your Bibles or turn back in the uh, the bulletin to Luke 24, beginning at verse 13 just read a moment ago. Luke 24, beginning at verse 13. So there were two men walking, and irony of ironies, they were talking about Jesus when Jesus himself comes up to join them and asks them, what are you talking about? And one answers, are you the only one in town who doesn't know what just happened? And Jesus asks, what happened? About Jesus, they say, how he was a great man who did mighty acts from God and was crucified just the other day. And then they sadly and probably somewhat skeptically mentioned that some of them had gone to Jesus' tomb, but when they got there, they couldn't find his body. Here is Jesus, the one they were looking for but couldn't find. Here he is alive the one for whom they had looked among the dead. And they don't yet recognize him. Now this morning, I want us to see in the experience of these two followers of Jesus an essential truth that is especially important for us, for us certainly at any time, but now all the more for us in this time of shelter-in-place orders and social distancing. These disciples face a variety of emotions and experiences in our short reading, and they face them, and here's the crucial part, they face them together as the Christian community. They face their heartbreaking discouragement together. They face their, or they experience their worship together, and once they recognize Jesus risen from the dead, they rejoice together together. As the church, it is essential as part of our calling to walk through these things together as the church. And we see in these travelers' experience how going through these things together as a corporate church makes a world of difference. In the famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, A fictional traveler makes his way through uh, various challenges toward the celestial city. And this is a wonderful book, an allegory of the Christian life, and has become a great source of encouragement to many around the world, as it should. And it contains some very helpful and important lessons written in a very creative way. But I will suggest that there is a significant problem in this view of the Christian life. This whole wonderful book, which I would recommend people read, about a Christian walking through life on his way to glory, falls short on this point because everything he goes through, everything this character, everything this Christian goes through in his life, he does alone. There is no church. There is no fellowship. There is no community. The whole journey is completely on his own. But that is not what God calls us to as the church. The church, by its essential nature, is the people of God gathered for worship, gathered for mission and fellowship and discipleship. And that's even the way the the Bible words for church were used in the ancient world. It was an assembly of people gathered together. We are in this together, and without being connected together, we cannot live out the Christian life as we are called to, and we cannot follow our crucified and risen Savior as we are called to. So this morning, three parts of the experience of these travelers in Luke 24, which they did together in community, and the great difference that that made, and we, the church, must do the same. So the first is this, the church faces discouragement as a community. The church faces discouragement in community. Look at verse 17. And Jesus said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. they stood still with their faces downcast we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel these two were processing their discouragement together and when Jesus arrived they had been talking through their sadness and their heartbreak over Jesus's death because they had staked their lives on something and when Jesus died all hope was lost but they were processing it and going through it together. How easy is it for us to turn inward and pull away from others when we're discouraged? Now, we don't have to say everything to our brothers and sisters in the church. Some of us do very valuable processing inwardly. But how easy it is for us to go inside ourselves and pull away from the church when we're discouraged or heartbroken. I've seen it, for example, when someone grieves the death of a family member or the loss of a job. And when the person is finally able to process with another person in the church, they're able to begin the journey of healing and invite the Holy Spirit to meet them in their pain. We're made for connection. And when we are discouraged or heartbroken, we need to already be part of that faithful worshiping community. We need those loving and caring people already intimately a part of our lives when the crisis hits. And then we need to dig deeper in, in the midst of our discouragement. And we need to have already committed to the community of the church, of God's people, even before the crisis hits. And then we need to be willing to process that together with others who love us, And who love the Lord. And these disciples were clearly committed to the church. And when they were completely dejected and heartbroken, they leaned into each other and processed together. And they model for us the need that we all have to face discouragement together in the church community. As the church, we need to face our discouragement together. We face our losses in the presence of Jesus and in the presence of his people, the church, trusting in his care and his provision. And we face discouragement together in the community of the church. So that's the first one. We face discouragement together. And the second we see is this. The church worships in community we worship together. Look at verse 30. When Jesus was at table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to them. Sounds a bit like our Eucharist for a good reason. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures?" Didn't it feel like church when we heard him teach us from the scriptures? Didn't that meal that we just had with Jesus remind us of the feeding of the 5,000 and remind us of the Last Supper that the others told us about just a few days ago? And then as it says in verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Now, if this had happened to just one of them, it would have been far too easy for him to start to think that he had just imagined it. If just one of them had seen Jesus, in his joy, he may have gone back to tell the others. But how easy would it have been to convince himself on the road that he had just imagined it? I mean, Jesus didn't really just have a meal with me after I saw him crucified last week. Jesus didn't really vanish from my sight after I recognized him. No, my mind must be playing tricks on me. If I tell them that, they're going to think I've gone crazy. But when the church worships together, it helps solidify our experience of what God has done because we experienced it together. We worship together and we encourage each other. We remember together the amazing work of God in our world and in our lives. And when we hear the testimony from one another of what God has done, we're built up as we worship together. See, all of our personal worship, which is so important, our Bible reading and our prayer and our worship at home, all of that is so important, and it should be, in a very real sense, preparation for us for our time of corporate worship together. This corporate worship where we're all together is the primary calling of the church as the people of God. Worship together, whether in a church building or out in a field or under a mango tree, worship together as the people of God gathered is essential. And these men model for us the importance of worshiping together as the church. And the way that that helps keep the fire burning in our hearts and helps us remember the true works of God. See, when these men saw the work of God, they didn't go play golf. They went to church, and they gathered with the church to worship Jesus. So the church faces discouragement in community, and the church worships in community. And third. The church rejoices in community. Look at verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. And those others were saying, the Lord has, indeed, has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then these two that had just seen Jesus told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And so once these two realized that Jesus had arisen from the dead and had appeared to them, they make the journey back to Jerusalem to rejoice together with the other Christians. And when they got there, they heard the joyous news from the others that they too knew that Jesus was alive. And they all rejoiced together. To quote another passage from the Bible, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. He's alive. He really is. It's not a dream. We've all seen him. And they rejoiced together. I think of the parables in Luke 15 about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the two lost sons and in each of the stories that Jesus tells when the person finds the sheep or the coin or the sons the person immediately goes to find other people and says rejoice with me is there something essential about rejoicing together at what God has done that just can't be done alone. The staff in our office often hear me come out of my office on Thursdays once my sermon writing is completed, and I'll say, you know, rejoice with me, my sermon is done. Because when we're filled with joy, we need to celebrate with someone else. And as the church, we need to rejoice together as the church community and not simply alone. And celebrating with the church community helps us experience the joy that we have in our risen Lord Jesus. So church, we need to to be connected together and share our joy. And we need to share what God is doing, because he actually doesn't just do it for us individually, but for the whole church. Your joy is partially for me too, so I can rejoice with you. And my joy is partially for you too, so you can rejoice with me. So that we can rejoice exceedingly with great joy in Jesus together. The church faces discouragement together. The church worships together. And the church rejoices together. So how do we do this? in a season of stay-at-home orders and live-streaming church services. I'll give you a few ideas. One is this. Now, this may be especially shocking to people, especially my age and younger, but we have these incredible things called cell phones, and one of the truly amazing things that we can do with those cell phones is we can make phone calls, It's true i mean you you might have realized you might not have realized with all the various apps that you can download um, but there is actually a standard built-in feature on your phone that you can call people right from your phone so call people and check in and pray together and you just can't do that by text message tell each other what's going on and what you're doing face your discouragement together use that opportunity to worship together and rejoice together with the church. Another way to put this into practice is to worship every week and make it a non-negotiable, unless you just simply absolutely cannot, but make it, if you are at all possible, to make it non-negotiable to worship live with the church together at 10 a.m. Don't say no big deal, I'll just watch it when I get around to it. Don't say, I'm going to go for a bike ride instead, I'll do it later. Do it live with the rest of the church, unless you just simply can't, and in that case, worship along in its entirety just at another time. But there's something significant about doing it at the same time. Watching a sporting event later, even if you don't know who wins, just isn't the same as watching it live when it's happening. Participate together at the same time. Another one is this, and this is incredibly, incredibly important. Re-engage immediately when we safely can. Re-engage immediately when we safely can. So I spent uh, 10 or 12 years working in youth ministry. And one of the things that I learned over the years was this, that when students go off to college, most of our Christian youth will say, and they genuinely mean it, but they say when they get there, they will go find a church. But what most of them actually think internally is, I'm going to go get settled for a little while, and then after a few weeks, after I have my feet under me, once I learn where everything is, then I'll start looking for a church. And let me tell you, they never do. But students who begin looking for a good church immediately always do, even if it's not the church they go to the first week that they end up getting connected with. But students who go to church week one always manage to find a good church to be a part of, even if it's not the one they go to the first time. But those who say they'll get to it in a few weeks basically never do. Those who make it a priority pretty much from week one basically always find a place to get involved. And those who put it off even for just a few weeks— almost never do, and I could name person after person after person for whom that's true. And the fact is that every single one of us right now, wherever you are, every single one of us is currently developing new habits of not going to church on Sundays. Every one of us is developing a new habit. Now, right now, we don't really have a choice, but when we are able to safely gather again, every single one of us is going to have to fight against the new habits that we've developed of staying home and is going to have to choose to re-engage. And just like the college students, if you wait for things to settle too much in your own life, you'll likely never engage and you'll be letting the enemy win. So join in immediately when it's safe to do so. And in the meantime, Worship every Sunday that you possibly can, together at 10 a.m. We at Holy Cross also have a variety of ways to keep connecting while we're physically apart. So each day at noon, we have daily prayer on our Facebook page. I've been creating a daily devotional videos, Um On our YouTube channel, the youth ministry has been finding creative ways to connect and have small groups and their youth ministry time digitally. The children's ministry is finding fun ways to connect digitally. Our preschool is providing resources and classroom materials digitally. Some of our weekly small groups are meeting through video calls. Now, none of this is ideal forever, but we're working faithfully to stay connected and to grow together as the church during this very strange time where we're stuck being physically apart. But call each other. Worship every week at 10 o'clock. Re-engage immediately when it's safe. And take part in the connection points that we have going on right now. Hey friends, as the church, we must follow the example of these early Christians. And we need to face our discouragements together. We absolutely must worship together and we need to rejoice together as we recount the goodness of what God has done and what God is doing in our lives our Lord Jesus is alive he is risen alleluia so as his church we can face our discouragement together we can worship our risen savior together and let us rejoice together in the goodness of Of our risen Lord Jesus. Man.